Welcome back to the Thuggin' Philosophers. This is Blake. I'm here with Isaac and Brendan, and today our topic of discussion is the porn industry. Specifically, if we wanted to kind of get into a topic, we're going to aim in the direction of paid for porn or free to watch, so hey, to speak. Hey, What's up? Blake, hold on. Before we get into this, uh-huh. I was just, I was just thinking, where the fuck are all the aliens? So you mean like the Furby Paradox, where all the aliens... Yeah, like, where the fuck, like, is the size and scope of the universe, there has to be life outside of here. The u- universe has to be teeming with life. Where the fuck are all the aliens? It's been billions of years. What's the deal? It's, it's a pretty good point to observation to make. I mean, really, in perfect reality, there's more than 10,000 stars for every single grain of sand on Earth right now as it is. And for every one of those stars, there's probably a planet or three around it. That's just in the observable universe. You can probably say at least a percentage of those is that habitable. You brought up the Fermi paradox. Yeah, what, what the hell that? is that? So the uh, Fermi paradox, Isaac. In case you're curious, uh, I am. It's Quite essentially curious. that question that Brandon was so astute to make earlier: is where the fuck are all of those aliens? They seem to have not been around, and by every observation we can seem to find from here on Earth and its proclivity for life. You would say it should be easy enough to have arisen somewhere else already or is already somewhere else right now and that probably there would be intelligent life. But the fact that we can't find any of this specific evidence either in the form of communications directly to us or in damage or uh, changes they've made to their atmosphere or their star... Because of that fact that we don't see anything, that's the paradox. Because it would be suggested that we should see things, and but there's nothing there. Well, but even like they should have found us by now. You would think is it's been billion, it's been billions of years, right? Well, billions of years for us. You know, well, well, hold on. Who was the, this Fermi? Like, where'd that come from? Enrico Fermi. Uh, he was a physicist in the. Uh, geez, early 1900s. Um, he... uh, mid-1900s. mid-1900s. Enrico Fermi sorry. was an Italian-American physicist. And in the in 1950, he posited the question, and he's credited with being like one of the first people to posit the question, where is everybody, and then try to dig into it. And actually, he died shortly after, and a lot of people kind of picked up that research and it kind of sp- spread wild but, uh, among researchers and physicists and people including people like Carl Sagan or I'm sure you're aware of Frank Drake mm-hmm. the uh, in 19 in the early 1960s a guy named Frank Drake came up with an equation to try to calculate really what the odds are that there is intelligent life out there and try to get to at the heart of whether or not we will be able to contact them or you know, should have been able to contact them anyway. Yeah, yeah. So they're, these guys are the reason behind the, it's the aliens meme. That's cool. I didn't yeah. know that. It's I aliens. mean, you could <laughs> say that, yeah. Well, well, the skeptics yeah, I guess out there right. would uh, would argue that because there is, because the, the Drake equation would suggest that life should be everywhere mm-hmm. and we haven't made contact with aliens... Skeptics say that there are no aliens, that we're the only life out here, mm-hmm. which carries its own, its own whole set of uh, implications 
if that were true. It's that, you know, we are that spark that bore the flame of life in the universe. And mm -hmm. if we get snuffed out, that's it. That could be the only the only chance that life ever had. Oh, of course. It's like like the whole, uh, I believe it was the rare earth theory. And I talked about everything down to the microscopic level at one point was everything just lined up and everything was so perfect and everything, this led to that and this led to that and boom, created life. But it was in such a perfect order of events that happened only on our planet. There's no way that it could be, could have taken place anywhere else. But like you guys are saying, I mean, it's the universe is so vast and massive. Surely somewhere else, the same conditions could have existed somewhere else. I mean, when you think about the fact that the observable universe is a sphere 90 billion light years across, that you it's would, pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty big. And <laughs> the fact that the size of that universe would suggest that it's completely and totally flat, which would tell you that it goes on infinitely. Um, that would say that even if there's the smallest possibility, you're talking less than 0.00001% that life can arise and lead to a smart intelligent civilization, in an equation that has an infinity next to it, that means it eventually happens. And it does <laughs> happen somewhere. Yeah, uh, somewhere it has to. Yeah, somewhere it has to. But the thing is, if it's big enough, if we're in that situation where either those lengths of time between civilizations are too wide or just the length of space is too far for us to actually travel through any means of technology, that could always be the that could be the unifying theory of all intelligent life and in, throughout the universe is that question where they all ask eventually is where is everybody? That could <laughs> so be that could really in reality be the only thing that unifies all life in the universe if it turns out to be the case that it really is kind of how it seems is that everything's just either too far away or we exist in too far lengths of time that we just haven't ever seen each other and we would never see each other. Yeah. Well, that's trippy. It's like there's three other alien guys sitting in front of their computers doing a podcast about the exact same thing right now. Oh my God. Well, it, it really could be. That, yeah, that's It's insane. In a way, doesn't that, I mean, if you look at the universe as being truly infinite, then in a way it is sort of a multiverse. Spider-Man. In that way, that like with infinite possibilities. Yeah, anything and everything literally, will eventually happen. The way that a lot of people look at the probability of life developing, forming on another planet is that it's replicable, and it's replicable in similar ways. Mm -hmm. So, like in biology, when we look around the Earth, we see different forms of life evolve very far separated from each other. Mm -hmm. So particularly a lot of the species in Australia, as opposed to places in like South America mm -hmm. that evolved similarly, but never shared any DNA, Yeah, at least as complex organisms. Yeah. So things like the eyeball evolved in like 14 different iterations of eyeballs evolved yeah. on this planet, uh -huh. all made of the same building blocks. In fact, all of life on this planet is carbon-based and all built on the same the same building blocks of life. Mm -hmm. And because like things like eyes happen like 12 or 14 times over sonar happened like four, four times over with four different 
types of animals, mm-hmm. you know, ears, mm-hmm. you know, arms and legs and shit like that, you know, like it makes it its own law of physics that the, this is the way that life that life happens and it always forms DNA mm-hmm. and becomes replicable in that way. And that would make all the life so similar on other planets that, that it would give some credence to the things that happen in a lot of films where aliens are always anthropomorphized. anthropomorphized. You're right. Yeah. They always have, you know, like two arms is really common and you know, they have heads. They're just big, you know, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And literally big brains, like, big brains. Okay, definitely. Because like everything you were just talking about, that's what's called like convergent evolution. Is whenever a unifying or similar trait evolves because of the circumstances that need it. Like an old ancient reptile that used to roam the seas, called an ichthyosaur, looked and swam exactly like a dolphin does today. But <laughs> it's that shape, that function, that made it work the way it does. In the same way that eyes have evolved in multiple different iterations to accomplish the same goal. You could also extend that same theory, you know, uh, I guess hypothetically, to physics and how life might evolve in other locations, even on different planets. Like, you can say, like, it's probably fairly likely if an individual is trying to, like, conserve more energy on a longer distance that it might be bipedal because... Generally, you can but, an organism but look at more the energy. Li- like but look that. at how varied the life is on this planet, mm-hmm. and like the snake compared to you. And consider that evolution, uh, you know, natural selection is based very much on your environment. And so, if they if you have a completely different environment, so you know, life has happened. We've had how many mass extinctions? A lot. A lot. Let me look that up at real least quick. A dozen. Yeah. But it's never, ever left the entire planet barren of any life. It's always just gotten no, but, close to it. But the primary types of life have oh, changed yeah, very changed drastically, drastically depending on how much oxygen was in the air, mm-hmm. you know, what the climate was like, things like that. There have been five major mass extinctions in its history that we know about. And life was always like the dinosaurs were very different animals than anything that's really walking around today. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though, like, like technically, you can call alligators and crocodiles dinosaurs. Yeah, um, yeah. That's still... still a little bit different than what used to be here. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's but, another point that um, is kind of cool to bring up: is that like dinosaurs, they ex- went extinct sixty-five million years ago, and before that, they were around since two hundred million <laughs> years ago. Uh, so that's two hundred million years ago up until now, really, only like the past hundred years have we had the ability to listen for anything. Civilizations could have lived, died, spanned over entire galaxies in that time. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, collapsed and like completely washed away before it, ever we yeah, would see, have and, seen anything of it. Yeah, and that was that was one of the things that I, I found interesting was you know, if you think about it in terms of how we as humans operate you know, we, we grow as a civilization. You look in the in the past, and once they reach a certain point, then something happens, whether it was most of them, like, political-type issues start getting involved and hierarchy in societies, and then they end up gone. You know, who, who's to say the same thing hasn't happened on other planets mm-hmm. in the distance? You know, they reach a certain point. Well, so these are and all... And boom. These are all things that are, that are, you know, kind of built into the Drake equation, which is which we brought up earlier, but so we're not uh, talking the, about the singer Drake, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just just making that clear, just clearing that up. 
Uh, no, we're talking about scientist Frank Drake, uh, who in 1961 developed a, an equation that he thought would estimate the number of active, technologically advanced, communicating civilizations in the Milky Way. So it was really focused on on being able to communicate with alien life forms, preferably using radio waves, which is something that we've been trying to do. And you brought up like kind of the scale of how long life has existed here and how long we've actually been looking for life. We've been shooting radio waves out looking for looking for other forms of life for only about 70 years, give or take. Yeah. But, you know, so based on that, this equation basically said that the number uh, of civilizations in would be equal to the product of seven, seven different unknown quantities from astronomy, geology, biology, and anthropology. Those seven quantities are the average rate of star formation, just, you know, how often do stars form, how many, so you can kind of figure out how many stars there are and what, what you're, uh, you're working from and then getting smaller. The fraction of number, the fraction of stars with planets, which we think most stars have planets. Have planets. The average number of stars with planets that have one that could support life. So when you look at our own solar system, there's eight planets, uh, RIP Pluto. <laughs> there are eight planets. Uh, one of them supports life that we know of, but there are potentially, you know, three or four um, worlds in the solar system that could potentially uh, support life. So like Europa, which is one of the moons mm -hmm. um, circling. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uranus, mm -hmm. Uranus uh, might have some life in it. <laughs> Tee -hee. Uh, a Wait, lot of that, you know, would if... be, you know, places with uh, places with with, you know, the building blocks of life and like typically, you know, liquid water. Well, as um, and and that's as as far as us carbon-based life forms are concerned, though. Yeah. That's not to say that there couldn't be other forms of life on these planets that were developed in their own way. I mean, wouldn't it suck if, like, Pluto was the one planet that had life on it? They're like, hey, guys. They're like, you know what? That's not a planet. They're like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so people like Neil deGrasse Tyson argue that you don't even have to worry about, like, whether life could be built on anything else. Like, some people think that you could build, you could build, make similar building blocks of life based on arsenic. Yeah, I've <clears> read that before. Uh, yeah, I learned about that when, when I took... In astronomy in college. Which is weird because I'm pretty sure in a theoretical situation where you had building blocks of as arsenic, the like environmental temperatures need to be like a completely different range. Um, in fact, you can have oil behave in a similar way uh, to water um, and like also methane and hydrogen too at like low enough temperatures. So like you can theoretically make soluble solutions which is what a water is and that's the main thing that it facilitates is like basically helping things diffuse inside of it and that's what helps with essentially chemical reactions and that's why water is so important for chemical carbon-based life forms but you could turn that around and make liquid arsenic or you can make liquid um, methane and it can 
function to a different degree, but it would function in a similar way. Yeah. I would not want to meet one of those. I mean, I no. think that that stuff's fine <laughs> to play with in theory and stuff, but like in terms of like the Fermi paradox, I don't, I just don't think it even matters when you consider that that humans are already made of carbon, and and all the basic basic building blocks of our of our biology are already some of the most common things in the universe. When you take that fact into account, and you say that like when we test like how how to design these compounds and stuff that we're made of. Uh, it's pretty easy and replicable, so like it's a pretty solid system. It just if these things get combined this way, based on the way that physics happens where we are anyway, that this is what should happen. So mm-hmm. life should happen, given enough iterations of all of those things being in the same place. Yeah, yeah. Basically, mm-hmm. is the way is the way to look at that. There are some scientists who theorize that actually Earth life could have evolved on Mars. I've heard that. Before. So I heard, um, yeah, uh, I watched a podcast with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and uh, who was he with? It's a he theory was... uh, known as panspermia, and it's essentially that life can arise off of planet and then come to it, and then be that planet's origin for its life, as it was essentially off yeah. world. Yeah, um, it was either... Richard Dawkins, that's who he was talking mm-hmm. to, which okay. is, who is a really well-renowned biologist yeah. Yeah. from oh, yeah. uh, Oxford. So basically, we think that, so at one point, Mars had a liquid ocean and was basically very similar to Earth Earth today. Mm-hmm. And when Earth and, got its and, Earth life, like, almost yeah. right away, like, outside of it, like, cooling off. So, but, uh, yeah, but the problem was that, that, Mar- that Mars lost its atmosphere, well, a lot of its atmosphere, and, and uh, no, it had a runaway... Uh, Greenhouse. No, 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 no Venus, Venus had a runaway man. greenhouse effect, and Mars lost its atmosphere. And so both of those planets were similar to Earth at one point. We think that probably Mars, based on where it is and everything, could have developed microbial life, like single-celled life, definitely, mm-hmm. within the time period before it lost its atmosphere, And but it would have been during the uh, the Great Bombardment. Yeah, so in the first, the first couple hundred million years of this solar system's existence was called the the Great Bombardment, which is basically exactly what it sounds like. Everything was just crashing into each other. And uh, and so, you know, feasibly, maybe even the moon hit Mars, broke a piece off with life on it, and it brought that back to Earth and then and just happened to coincide with a time period when Earth was getting to a point where it could support life. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, life on Mars died, and it bloomed here. You know, which is oh my god, we're 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 basically a virus. (laughs) We're we're looking for ourselves, guys. We're already here. Are we even having this conversation for? That's insane. Or but but the the fear there, the really shitty thing is, and and well, there's I guess there's not really a a great way to tell, but we could if we found evidence of life on Mars today with one of the voyagers and it had uh had dna mm-hmm. on it you know then I mean, you then could we could trace it back and, and say that 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 We're was from there, that yeah. was from here and that would be kind of lame <laughs> it would be kind of lame to discover life out there and it'd be us and it'd be us yeah, yeah. that would be pretty stupid wouldn't it <laughs> yeah. you get over there and you realize no, this is just an algae. No, yeah, is, I, I can find this at home. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn I've already it. seen this before. 
He's some guy just sitting at his desk, like throws papers all pissed <laughs> off, like Jesus Christ. I knew it. I wouldn't even believe. I wouldn't even believe them. They'd have to test it like fifty million times. You know, I'd be like, oh, "Hold on, who's fucking with me? Which one of you put some fucking plant, fucking DNA in this shit or whatever?" I don't know how they test DNA. You're gonna go to their to their lab, and they're like, "All right, Brandon, look." We're tired of you talking shit. This is this is legit. Like, check this out. Watch yeah, every step. Like this is how we're doing it. Landing, whatever, guy. <laughs> you're like, this is all fake. This is all staged, anyways. I don't believe anything you're telling me. You're like, it's right here. <laughs> it's like yelling. <laughs> the thing about the Drake equation was that it was it was developed in 1961, and so since then, a lot of people have given it a lot of heat for basically. Being old. Basically saying that it was relying on a lot of assumptions that don't reflect reality. So this uh, article that I found in Forbes, written by Ethan Siegel, he suggested that the, there are certain things that just don't reflect reality built into the equation. One, that uh, the fact that the equation was written before the Big Bang was validated and uh, the steady state model was disfavored. <clears throat> so once we... It was developed before we had fully given way to the idea of the Big Bang, mm -hmm. which uh, I'm sure probably everybody is aware yeah. of. Why, why don't you just sum it up yeah. real quick, just to make Big, sure we're all on the same page here? Big Bang was essentially just the beginning of it all. It, was, it's, it wasn't really uh, believed to be true before <clears throat> his time, essentially, because before then it was thought and assumed that the universe just existed in this steady state of always existing as it was right then. Yeah, it wasn't until we were able to measure the fact that the universe was expanding. Yeah, that from a that point we could where track it, it back and say like it was actually it originated in one place. Yeah, it wasn't so much that so they could it, like look to a spot. It was yeah. more that they could realize, okay, this is the rate it's expanding. If we extrapolate that and run it back, this is how old that would be until that time ended. And that's when we got the Big Bang, which happened about 13.8 billion years ago. Right. Um, but, yeah, that's essentially that. Or it was just God, you heathens. So, uh, right. <laughs> well, I, yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm not ruling out right. the possibility. I'm just going off of what we can measure. Amongst the the podcasts and stuff that I listened to and some of the articles and stuff that I read, you know, there's plenty of other you know, big scientist guys talking about the – possible existence of a one creator in in the universe and and I'd have to go back and look through all the details and and look up the stuff for it because that was just blowing my freaking mind um my my precious little my precious little christian mind <laughs> but it's it's one thing in common with everything that we've looked at so far was just the uh the what ifs and as all of this goes into it, you know what I mean? Isaac, you're probably the only theist here, right? Uh, yeah. Blake, I feel like you're... I, yeah. I don't know if we've talked about it a whole lot. But no, no, I'd say I'm an atheist. You're yeah, an atheist? Yeah. yeah. You actually say atheist? Do you yeah. say agnostic? No, I, I wouldn't say agnostic, really. I'd say atheist, probably. Yeah, I think, I think that a, a thing that a lot of people assume about atheists is that... Well, and certainly there are some... Uh, there are pe people who are adamantly there is no God, which I think is is true in one extent, but 
uh, a little misunderstood in the in the ideology. Well, mainly that it's not an ideology. So atheism is a is a lack of an ideology, which I would say I'm an atheist as well. And it's not saying that uh, I'm not I'm open to every possibility, but certainly I don't think that the God of the Christian Bible or the Quran or whatever is 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 a thing. Like an and I'm not yeah, or I'm not really concerned with whether or not there is one. And so yeah, we're not really uh, approaching it that way. We're approaching it, you know, this question mostly, I guess, from just a purely scientific view of like what can we measure? What do we yeah. see? What do, what can we measure? And, and we're not taking any outside assumptions, which is kind of yeah. along the lines of where we were going with this, talking about the Drake equation. So it, yeah, it does it doesn't consider whether or not there's a god who snapped yeah. it into existence. Although I would still argue most of these things still, uh, it's all still valid and worthwhile to to chase because even if there's if there's a god how does it work how does it all work just because he he exists and he wills it into existence he has to formulate some sort of algorithm or whatever for how to build everything and and all this stuff that's the way that you know based on logic and and math and what we're able to uh i mean it works by rules already yeah it it appears to yeah you know and we're but we're it works by rules that we don't understand we have to employ we we read implicitly, right? Yeah. So well, it's that's, all, of a, that's the whole point of the Duncan Philosophers podcast is to ask questions. Well, and and that's okay. Yeah, and this, so this is an interesting <laughs> thing. About, is that uh, the name Philosophers works well on this topic because uh, <laughs> actually in that uh, somebody brought up in that talk with uh, Richard Dawkins and, and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Somebody asked. There was a Q and A at the end, and somebody asked him. Uh, philosophy used to be very closely tied in with the hard sciences. Uh-huh. And it was really up until, I mean, you could argue it was, so Neil deGrasse Tyson said that uh, his view was philosophy had things to contribute to the hard sciences until basically quantum mechanics, <laughs> uh, uh, until quantum quantum physics came around. Uh-huh. And then, and then, they, they, we we reached problems that couldn't be solved from an armchair. Basically, uh-huh. you know, the, 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 and and we needed solutions that you couldn't posit from your armchair. Mm-hmm. Like you had to actually be digging in and and and, and learning it, and then uh, and experimenting and, and experimenting because none of it made it. You could, because all of the other rules that we had built up upon started flying out the window when you got into the quantum scales. Mm-hmm. But really, all the way back through the history of philosophy, people were making contributions to the hard sciences. So the first people, that the concept of the atom, the word atom, comes from Latin. The atomist philosophers were pre-Socratic philosophers. Some of the earliest philosophers that we have any record of came up with the idea of all of existence, the entire universe... Being built on the same small building blocks, that there was there was a smallest the idea of there being one smallest unit of existence that all of the rest of existence was built upon, and the idea that it wasn't that it wasn't created or des- destroyed, it just all had to be. That was uh, that was first like one of the first people to talk about that was Anna- Anaxagoras, who was a, a ancient philosopher. Mm-hmm. And the the medical industry 
uh, came about from Hippocrates, mm-hmm. which is why you take the Hippocratic oath mm-hmm. when when you become a doctor. It's, it, he was one of the, he was a philosopher who was dealing it with, you know, life and and physics and ethics and biology, as well, and developing um, medical routines and and medical ethics. Uh, and that was all you know thousands of years ago, and so for a lot of history. Philosophers were people who were just generally curious about the world around them and trying to cognitively understand it and build an understanding around it, around it really out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Just to make sense of it. Right? So, and I feel like everyone is a philosopher in that sense. If mm-hmm. you think about your life and existence and aliens... And porn. Aliens. <laughs> porn. You're, oh, I, I definitely think about you're porn. You're doing philosophy when you're trying to reason. Anytime you're <laughs> trying to reason through, well, like mathematics was born out of philosophy. So, uh, you know, economics, all of these things are tied, tied in with philosophy at some point. And that's why one reason that I wanted to build, work that into the name of this podcast was that that's kind of what we're doing. It's yeah. just taking life around us and trying to make some sense of it by discussing it, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's what everybody is doing in some way. Or some capacity, you're some right. Some capacity. Yeah. <laughs> now, now tell them where we got the thunking part from. Well, it was a play on the, uh, on the term the drunken philosopher, which I feel like that, that's just, uh, that should just be my... Uh, my spirit an- my spirit animal spirit is the drunken the drunken philosopher. <laughs> I, uh, it should be my uh, Twitter bio or something. I like that. <laughs> I was actually thinking I, 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 about, of changing my Twitter bio to just another white guy with a podcast. <laughs> nice and, and and a great beard. Not even a good beard. It's really, it's it's a beard. It's better than Blake's. If aliens showed up, they'd be sadly disappointed in Blake's lack of beard. We've been over this. can actually grow a pretty good beard. It just takes you a while, doesn't it? It takes a long time. Yeah. You can get there. Uh, Hey, we've been on this planet for how many years? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Blake. (laughs) Oh, have we done that yet? Uh, Worked into the the facts and figures just for some scope, especially on the the timeline of existence. The age of the universe, about 13.8 billion years old. Uh, the age of the Earth, four and a half billion. So, you know, roughly a third of the age of the the universe in total, the Earth has been around. Uh, the age of life on Earth, uh, three and a half billion years. So, really, the Earth didn't have to. The Earth didn't exist for very long mm. before. So you figure. Uh, the age of animals is estimated to be right around 800 million years. And we went through the, the period of great bombardment, like we were talking about, where yeah. it really it wasn't, it wasn't hospitable. We had to, for, you know, all of the materials that were shot out of the sun, Needed. basically just had to ram into each other and coalesce, you know, millions and millions <laughs> and millions of times before it all like kind of stuck together enough and cleared out and gravity started doing its work to clear out neighborhoods so that the place was uh the place was hospitable enough mm-hmm. to even form life and that happened 800 million years later 
And uh, somewhere between six and two million years ago, humans came about. So plenty of time for Blake to grow a beard, is what you're saying. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but generously, very, very generously, we've been around for six million years. But we've had what, in, in written language million? for... 10,000. Something Maybe. like that, ten thousand years, 15. It, and and we've only been we've only had radio waves. Less we've than we've only been utilizing radio waves for less than a hundred years. Mm-hmm. We've only been to space for fifty years now, yeah. pretty much, just about. When did we go to space? Sixty-nine. Sixty-nine. Well, that's the moon landing, I guess, a little earlier than that first. But it was like sixty-eight, sixty-seven, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, a, a little ways before our births. But were they were they sending radio waves into space before then? Before we actually went out into space? We didn't start sending messages to aliens until the Pretty recent actually. Until the uh the sixties, I think. So yeah, I mean that uh, on the scale of just the age of the earth, you know, three and a half billion years is not a very long time. So we have already we've only just been a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. You know, so we just we just started. Maybe, or we could be. To, we're we're reaching our demise, though. We've killed our climate. Uh, our our <laughs> yeah. climate could kill us, and uh, and I mean, we could be dead in a couple hundred years. Oh yeah. Maybe that's being pessimistic, but like we could certainly be dead in a couple hundred years if nuclear war breaks out. We could be dead in less than fifty. You know, a year. <laughs> okay, so. Going off of what you said, that's kind of like the uh, filter uh, type idea that we were talking about earlier, Blake. Um, you mind going into that a little bit for us? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, filters are really kind of – I like the idea of filters. It's a fascinating concept because it essentially tells you – it gives you an answer to the Fermi paradox in the way that tells – so – there's either a filter that prevents life from becoming such this common thing that we see everywhere, um, to the, or it's already okay. Let me kind of rephrase. So when that. you say filter, you talking like a big T filter wrapped around like the galaxy, or what? What are we talking about here? You could There's almost a... think of it like a giant T filter, <laughs> like a physical, a physical filter, no uh, theoretical filter. It's we... so, okay. So uh, <laughs> what are we in this about? way. A filter would be like some sort of netting. Essentially, a set of circumstances or uh, uh, situations that all uh, happen to life uh, in some way or another um, at some point. So, a filter might be that it's incredibly challenging for random in uh, inorganic chemistry to become organic chemistry that can uh, replicate itself and turn into life. That could be such a rare thing that it becomes a filter in itself. So not every planet can just spring up life because that filter stops it from being so because of the fact that that chemistry is such a hard thing to accomplish. And really, like, you could say that was an impossible thing to accomplish here because as far as we can tell, biologically speaking, life only arose once because there's only really one form of DNA uh, based yeah. life forms. Yeah. Um, and I guess if you aren't including uh, viruses, which are 
arguably alive or not. But either way, that'll go. It's a whole nother episode. If you wanted to... A whole nother episode, yeah. If you wanted to go further down the uh, filter path, you can start saying, like, okay, so those filters either existed behind us and we're ahead of the filters now and we don't have to worry about that anymore, or the more kind of unsettling fact is the filter could be ahead of us. It could be something like there technology. Could be layers of filters. There could be layers of filters, yeah. There could be a level of technology at which we can get to that can solve and do everything we need to do, but as soon as we activate it, it wipes out our whole civilization. Oh, um, God. I don't... I mean, we already kind of have that with nuclear power to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... But... I don't... Uh, subscribe to the filter theory in that like I don't I think that there are things that are hinder that can potentially hinder you from things but I don't really see the point of of not as I don't see the point of assuming that any sort of filter may exist until there is solid evidence for one you know so the only way to be able to observe a filter is to be physically up against it or to have passed it and be able to to measure it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's what's the point? To me, it's a lot like the idea of a god. It's like, um, until I see evidence of it, there's no point in me, like, treating it as a serious assumption, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Uh, it's called faith, Brandon. It's called faith. Mm. <laughs> but, but I'm picking up what you're putting I, down. But I understand the point in, like, theorizing, you know, what those things may constitute. I, I found a really interesting article called that was just titled "The Twelve Possible Reasons We Haven't Found Aliens," and and it does kind of hit pretty much uh, broadly, you know, every everything that I could think of, anyway. You know, that uh, there they go. My uh, my soundproofing things just fell off the wall. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang it! Figures. So for yeah, we're gonna keep that in there. So first, there aren't any aliens to find. You know, obviously. Yeah. So like, the reason yeah, we haven't found a- aliens is because there aren't any. Then there's that there is no intelligent life besides us. I definitely think that that I think that it's almost impossible that there's not other life in the universe. Yeah. But I, it's it's possible that the what we view as intelligent life and certainly intelligent life that would that would and could search for other life in the universe might uh, you know rare. might be extremely rare yeah. yeah i can i'm totally in agreement with you there i think that it's almost impossible that there aren't planets in the milky way right now that have like you know pond scum kind of life or single cell life anything like that right now in this moment i think that there's a microbial life in the in our solar system yeah yeah, I think almost Earth. definitely there's microbial life because of things like we were talking about before with uh, the Mars uh, and with Mars and Earth, just there being life here mm-hmm. and it have it and you know us being struck by asteroids and shit like that, you know, we happening could have exchanged with other and planets, knowing yeah. that and knowing how like we're finding out every day that life is way more sturdy than we thought it was. Mm-hmm. So like tardigrades can literally exist in space. Yeah. A tardigrade is this tiny microscopic animal that can ex- survive pretty much anywhere on Earth and in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can it, it can withstand extremely high temperatures, extremely low temperatures. What it's its nickname is a water bear because it typically exists in water, um, but when it's not in the right 
conditions, it it'll it'll lose all of its all of its moisture and go into a hibernation, like an ultra hibernation where it doesn't even age. Yeah. It literally stays exactly in the same exact state that it was in before it went into this hibernation. And it'll stay there for as long as it needs to, months or years or decades, it doesn't matter. And then as soon as the condition yeah. as soon as the conditions are right again, it springs back to life. Uh, or from the brink of death, basically. And it and it can survive small point small amounts of time in the vacuum mm-hmm. of space. So That's like insane. Yeah, the odds like the, so I think that there's microbial life probably on Mars or you know maybe Venus or or yeah. you know even farther out in the galaxy. I think that Uranus. there's probably I think that there's probably life uh, all over the universe, but that things like the scale of the universe uh, make it s- s- too difficult for for life to be able to be able to feasibly con- uh, find each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, I mean, and then you got to think of like resources. So I don't. There, there's got to be some limit to like another planet on the other side. Their resources to be able to come right and, this far and to want and... to, or just to. Uh, so if we found life. If we like observed it with a telescope or got radio waves, uh, a radio signal from life on a planet, you know, a hundred million light years away, mm-hmm. we could never reach them. Like no. by the time we reach them, they could be extinct. Yeah, yeah, easy. So, so it's you're always because you're always looking into the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, even within your own galaxy, uh, the closest thing you could hope to find is within a couple light years. Those aren't. Yeah. We already know right now that those don't host anything as far as we can tell. And then the furthest thing within the Milky Way is still going to be 100,000 light years away from you. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> well, yeah, maybe less. Well, less. The, yeah, the, but it's, the Milky Way is 100,000 light years across. Across. Yeah, considering yeah, about where we 30, are. Uh, yeah. Scientists typically like to measure in parsecs, and a parsec is 3.26 light years. But yeah, it's 100,000 light years, and that's as fast as we can is we know anything can go is the speed of light. Mm. So what it we, would take we know though. So it would take right. yeah, it would take 100,000 years if we were able to travel at the speed of light which we're not able to get close right now uh to get across the Milky Way. If there were so if the life is so rare that it's only in like, you know, there's one form of life like us in every galaxy, there's no chance we'll ever find each other. No, of course There's not. no chance. Uh, you know, it would have to be much, much uh, more common than that. And it would have to, it would have to evolve in places close enough. So you, you're playing odds that aren't great, yeah. you know, um, because, because the odds of being able to, to actually travel to each other. That's the thing that I, I would see as maybe, maybe being the biggest filter is actually being to tra- able to travel that distance, that distance, yeah. unless we have some major breakthrough in, in what we know about physics, which yeah. we, well, that, which that, we that might would have to be an incredible fucking breakthrough. But, but that's not that far-fetched when you think about that, like, most of the mass in the universe we can't be observed. Mm-hmm. We only, yeah. we only, uh, we infer that it's even there. 
because we've measured the effects of gravity on the universe and we've determined that the, the, the mass that we're able to see and recognize is less than half of the, the amount of mass that there has to be for gravity to hold up, for the laws of gravity to hold up and it affect the universe the way that we see it being affected, the way that we see the expansion happening, mm -hmm. right? And so either there were, there's something that we're just totally missing there or this, there's this other type of mass called dark matter that we infer is there, but we, we're not even... We're not able we to see can, it. We yeah. can't see it. We don't have a way to measure it other than its effects on other objects via gravity. Yeah. I'm curious, is there on, on that list either that you're looking at or that you guys have come across that was any more out there than what we've already discussed? Like anything that was just like completely, uh, like I said, everything we've already discussed is pretty far out there. I think, well, not too far out there, but anything that y'all have come across that was kind of no, you know, weird. It's, well, it's really either one of a few things. It's either going to be just that we are alone um, and we're the only ones out here because of the simple fact that it's just so hard for life to arise or that we aren't necessarily alone, but we're too far apart. Or that we aren't ever alone, but we ever uh, exist at different times, um, too far apart from one another. Like, if you think about us trying to look for a civilization, and it happened to be Earth, and it happened to be, like, pretty close to us, we could see it from here. All that we could see for all of up until the last, uh, you know, 10,000 years, no, less than, like, 100 years, from our point of view here, would be nothing more than indicators that okay there's probably life on there but nothing's coming out of it and yeah. that would have been for its entirety of its existence up until literally 100 years um uh, we get snapshots of everything right it, now as they are uh, when we see them and we don't really look back at them right away or you couldn't expect a civilization to last even 200 million years um yeah maybe. you know if somebody views earth right now from from eight million year light years away, mm -hmm. they wouldn't even see us. Yeah, we didn't evolve yet. Humans didn't evolve yet, so there would have been life on Earth, but not humans, not any intelligent life. So they could look at Earth right now, and they wouldn't see us. So they wouldn't they, be they able wouldn't to see, see us. And, and that's before they decide to come here. Yeah. Right. So, and, and, and if you're only able to sp travel at the speed of light, if they're eight, eight million years, light years away and they see us right now, they're only going to get to us eight million years from now. So we would have to still be here. Yeah. I mean, even just trying to go back even to a smaller, closer point of view, all the stars you see in the sky right now are just about 1,500 light years away. Because anything further than that would be too faint for the human eye to see. Um, there are plenty more stars up in the night sky that we could ever potentially see with our own eyes. But There are some pretty close ones. The nearest star, Alpha Centauri, is 4.3 light years away. Yeah, but I would say that the farthest ones we can see that are all out there in the night sky oh, right yeah. now, those are at most about totally 15,000. There's totally a really bright one that's about 16,000 light years away. But other than that, if you think about it that way, the furthest star we can possibly see with our own eyes from here 
if it were looking back at us now, wouldn't be able to tell that there's anything up here right now. It would just see and, a planet that clearly has oxygen, so it probably has life, but they wouldn't be able to tell you anything more. And and how do you, you have to sort through all of this, literally all of the stars in the universe? Yeah. There are 250 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. So if you're only looking in the same galaxy as us, it's hard to determine. Like, we've found a lot of planets, and we've found some planets that we think are in the Goldilocks zone. Yeah, and in a range where, of where life, Where life as we know it could form, theoretically. Which means, you know, it's close enough to its star that there's enough energy there. And it has and, and liquid ha- water. That it yeah. can have liquid water and not so close that it can't have an atmosphere and, you know, all of these things. But so how do you sort through all of those if, if a civilization isn't big enough and hasn't expanded outside of their planet, big enough to, like, reach some sort of scale that makes them visible, that they can, like, shine some light or whatever? There's, a, you know, there's a, the theory yeah. that, like, you know, we're trying to use radio waves, but maybe, maybe life is out there, intelligent life is out there, and it's right next door, but they don't use radio waves. Maybe to them, radio waves are like Morse code. And we're just yeah. like tap 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 tap, and they're not fucking. They're on we're, Wi-Fi. They're, right they're now. just yeah, swatting us away. Yeah. <laughs> you know they're well, so far see, beyond that, that. That that reminded me of one uh, one theory that I, I thought was interesting and terrifying at the same time. It's like we're sending out these messages, and like we've got some neighbors, and they're like, "Hey, shut up! There's some really really bad aliens out here that will kill you." So they're just ignoring us. That's even a genuine uh, theory, too. It really is. It's like yeah. it's one of the like less talked about, essentially, like options in that, you know, it's either there's no aliens, there's aliens, but we're too far apart, or there are aliens and they just aren't talking to us, um, or yeah. they aren't showing themselves. Uh, that that's in that little zone right there. Is there could theoretically be like a Type Three civilization that just waits around? What do you mean for, by Type Three? So on, it's just a, it's a scale called the Kardashev scale, which means, uh, well, it's a scale based off of how this guy figured this is how civilizations will progress. And it's based off how they manipulate the energy of their world and their resources around them. So a type one civilization is one that uses up and uh, can make use of all of its planet's resources, all of its host planet resources. Um, a type two is one that could make use of all of its host stars resources. And a type three is one that could make use of the entire energy output of its whole host galaxy, which is a unfathomable concept to me. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. But that's, if you were interested to know too. It, it goes farther than that though. So, oh, it does. Yeah. So the Kard- the Kardashev scale it was named after an astrophysicist, a Russian astrophysicist named Nikolai oh, no Kardashev, shit. and uh, it, it yeah, it's all it's all dependent on energy and technology. So type zero is subglobal culture, right? Which is just they exist off the energy that in technology on their planet within the uh, global. Yeah, type one being planetary, like you said, where they've harnessed all of the energy. So they think like fully nuclear society where the entire planet is is powered you know from the, the all of the resources of the available on the planet utilizing you know literally the the magma and the core and everything else on it for for 
you know, technological purposes, then, yeah, you go to Stellar using the stars, uh, galactic culture, um, universal culture, type 4, which is they've then got to a point where they're able to harness or utilize all of the the energy using technology in the universe. And then there's actually type 5 that is multiverse culture, where... It, which is dependent on the idea of a multiverse, you know. Yeah. But they've uh, they've actually mastered all of that. Yeah. And so you were saying, where are we? Where are we on the scale, Blake? We're technically right now at point seven three on the Kardashev scale. So we're, we're almost a one. Yeah, we're above zero, and we're hey. well, and if you round it up, you could say we're at one. But yeah, we're, we're, and we're, I and I will. We got there I will pretty fucking fast when you yeah. think about it. If or you, we got there really slow. We'll. we'll well, we went from we went from basically zero to point seven, whatever you just said, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah, in just a less than couple thousand years. years. Yeah, I, I could say well, five hundred years, really. Yeah, I guess you could. It was yeah. really just agriculture up until the industrial revolution. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, and then you you said you get to five, like a multiverse. Which which is which hurts my brain to even think about it, but let let let's say that somewhere, someone was so advanced, or some beings were so advanced that they reached that stage. What what do you think that that could mean for us? Like I don't know if it'd mean anything for us. I mean, would could they it be? Would they be so far removed and unrelated to us? I mean that the. If it was a there was a multiversal culture, we could just be in a fishbowl for all we know, like <laughs> in in relation to them. Like that would be so. I mean, it would be a, I don't know above our uh, point to even consider it. That yeah, way. I mean, well, it's 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 like the you know why would they want to waste their time? It's like we we don't waste our time thinking you know trying to communicate with ants and and trying to you know hang out with ants they're so tiny and insignificant well well so you're the you're the theist right uh-huh. so consider the concept of god okay one of the most fundamental aspects of what people you know view as as gods is a, a an idea of a creator and uh-huh. what if there's a society that has reached level just level four which is universal culture a level four society could create life on a planet Mm. absolutely easy easy easily they could just they could just like in get say a galactic here you go they could plant they could plant earth and then let it grow and leave and come back whenever they fuck they want and so that that could be that could be you're, you know, God could exist, uh-huh. and God could just be literally a person in a un- in a level, in a type four culture society. <laughs> so we we're all wrong. Yeah, or we're on all the right. Kardashev scale. So yeah, that's it would insane. it would it would ma- it would make both things right, and that's what a lot of atheist uh, scientists do consider that that sort of possibility. You know, uh, or oh, they, they, all about they certainly thinking. Consider it, you know, to be one of the possibilities. There's no way to know. Oh yeah. yeah. Unless they wanted us to know. 
Yeah, I mean, really. So it could be like, it could be that there could be no creators and there could also be creators. Just think about <laughs> So we're hum- back at humanity. square one. We create things all of the time. We're creating artificial intelligence right now that could, you know, potentially become so in, in ways, you know, we're all, we're all gods in that in that sense, especially if we're able to actually create sentient life. Oh yeah. with artificial intelligence. Which then can create that would things. make us, you know, a type of a type of god theoretically in the, in that on that level on a subglobal level and if there was a society, a race that was on a, you know, galactic level or a universal level, they could do that on a bigger scale yeah. and create us. Yeah. You know, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I want to say it was the second Men in Black when he opens up that locker. Yeah. Remember all the little alien guys are in there? It's like, oh, it's Jay, the bringer of the light. Jay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. And then they go to their little uh, little stripper building, remember? It's like XXX, or like free news or something every Thursday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyways, where were we? Porn. Time. Uh. So anyway, porn. <laughs> Actually, I got to take another break real quick. So you guys can either go on if you want, or I'll be back. Yeah, I'll just shoot the shit. Shoot oh the my shit. goodness. Oh. I did a push-up for the first time, and I don't know how long, and it fucking hurts. Holy shit. Why did you do a random push-up? Well, it wasn't a random push-up. I actually tried to do, like, a full set of push-ups, which was just a pathetic, funny thing to watch, but (laughs) it still did it. That's what matters. Hey, that's what matters, bud. Yeah, uh uh-huh. And I'm not going to get fat. That's what matters. (laughs) I already got fat. Yeah, you're just big boned. That's all it is. Hey, but I will say I can pick up my own body weight. Then that, well, I think that's mostly very important. I <laughs> I'd have to judge you if you told me you couldn't pick up your own body weight. Yeah, hey, no. this is two hundred thirty pounds. Tell you blood. you have to pick up uh, lose a little or pick up some strength. <laughs> <laughs> it's bulking season, Blake. <laughs> well, for me, it's always bulking season. Did you watch the uh, that video that I sent about the uh, thing? Listen yeah, the the one and two. Yeah, the part two. So yeah, yeah, I watched both of them. That same uh, YouTube channel, Kurz Gazette, it's, uh-huh. I don't know why it's called that. It's it's basically, I think it's a Russian word for in a nutshell. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I know. I thought it was rather creative of them. They have a thing, it's a short video, a short story called The Egg. I think you would like it. You might want to look it up. I'll check it out. Whenever you get a time. Yeah, yeah. There was... (laughs) And then the one that I put, the Fermi Paradox, 10 Mind-Blowing Explanations. Anyway, this guy in here, he he had one where he talked about... um, And that's kind of where I I got some of that stuff with with the, like, mathematical equations to prove God's existence and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, And the way he put it, he wasn't... Like, you know, because I've talked to people who there there wasn't any education behind their feelings towards the subject, which I'll, I'll sit there and I'll talk about. It. I'm not the most, uh, you know, versed or the, the best Christian to be defending it. But uh, the the way he put it was it was really interesting and, and like really respectful. You know, like, like I've told Brandon a million times, we've had conversations where we just completely disagreed with each other but we weren't dicks about it and they both made us think 
You know, yeah. and that, that's all we're trying to do is like, you know, I'd never push push my religion on someone. I'd show them and explain my my thought process and my feelings about it. But I'm not gonna push it on to him, make make a dick out of myself. Yeah. And and I think in that video he he presented a lot of good information on both ends of it. And it was something to think about, but I You know, I I've read a lot of uh I have read a lot of Joe Scott. Um a lot of work on intelligent design uh-huh. in creationism. It just scientifically the problem that I have with intelligent design is that it doesn't fit the scientific method. Uh-huh. Because it's operating it's it's trying to it's operating off of one assumption mm-hmm. and trying to make models and and experiments fit that assumption, which is not how science is done. No, no, you, you, you can't. On science, you test an assumption and, and then you move on to a new assumption based on based the information on that you got. The information yeah. that you got. Yeah, you, you, you test an assumption, you do an analysis, and then... And then you take that and you try to build assumptions off of that analysis. And then you move on to the next experiment, testing that. The other thing with intelligent design is that it just, it assumes that it's based on a fundamental assumption that if life is complex, then it was created, that it was drafted by somebody using logic. And that's the wrong way to look at it because that's not a true that's that's not a true dichotomy. That could just be the way that life exists. It could just be that it is complex, and it is built on these these uh, predetermined structures. But that does not mean that there was a a cognitive process in developing that structure to the universe. I think about that a lot because there's actually a a theory that says that the universe is really just an outcome of a evolutionary cycle for physics instead of for a living thing. And it all comes down to physics. Yeah. Literally everything. Yeah, but yeah, there's this idea that... As far you, as we can tell. If you were to like take the fundamental forces of nature, which are just the electromagnetic force, the weak force, the strong force, and gravity, they actually have rather arbitrary values to them like their actual strength values or numbers that just seem like a a number picked out of thin air you wouldn't think anything of it and you would wonder why isn't this a prime number why isn't this like (laughs) one two or zero or three instead of being a number that would have a meaning to it it's just a random valued strength number that's given to it and that's how strong gravity is or that's how strong the weak force is or that's how strong electromagnetism is that specific problem is there's not an explanation really for why it has to be so specific for matter to exist the way it does because if gravity or the weak force or the strong force had any different values than they do you couldn't have a lot of uh, the things that you have you couldn't have matter you couldn't have mass or even like some elements of time to a degree so the idea really that I was just hinting on was that the universe is a series, and it exists as a baby universe within a previous universe. And universes evolve to create and evolve to uh, have a propensity to make more universes. So 
if in evolution for biology, the point is to have your uh, genes all it go does on. is replicate. Yeah, the idea That's is all to, the DNA does. Yeah, it, yeah. The, it wants to be, make a situation where it's going to best replicate itself. But that's not explained, and that is that is what kind of a fundamental thing built into the idea of a god-like figure is mm. is something that determines that purpose that there seems to be in the universe that all matter tries to just just instead of just sitting there that basically it's it's why is why does matter exist and why does why doesn't it just sit there why does it matter matter and and in fact and in fact when you think about it it's built built on the idea that like the idea of the big bang is is determining that there was in fact just matter just existing until it exploded Mm mm-hmm and so what was that spark? And so like the, the so there's the the idea that like the only thing that could determine that something for something to go from one state to all to radically changing from literally from literally sitting still to movement. Jesus. Well, yeah, I mean a lot of things that people don't consider too at the end of the day is you can also do a pretty easy study on the likelihood of there being no aliens instead of yeah. being aliens. And you can get an answer that tells you, all right, maybe there are no aliens right now, at least. Um, and, <laughs> like, See, and I, I think it's kind of sketchy to I keep going back to it, but I think it's kind of sketchy to be sitting out of these signals and going looking for something. Maybe we don't want to find what's out there. I know. I mean, <laughs> honestly, that's not a bad Maybe point. we have to. Yeah. Maybe if, we don't, though. Do no. you know how many alien movies what there if, are where it's a bad idea? All right, so what if what if we are incredibly rare? Okay? Mm-hmm. So what if this is a a very small, uh, infinitesimally small possibility that we would exist? Mm-hmm. And that we're the and only ones we there. we did. Could it also stand to reason... That, that if there were only a small cluster of us that happened, that were connected in the chain of, in the same chain of events that created us to one other form of life in existence. Oh, like from... It would be nearby. Mm-hmm. Relatively nearby. Yeah. I mean... In the scope of the universe. So what if there was life literally in, like, four... Uh, solar systems over mm-hmm. and they were really <laughs> fucking struggling if our only point of existence is to continue life it would make sense to try to find them and make sure that they continue existing to keep that flame of life in existence in the universe yeah. sounds very political well no i mean <laughs> really i would say it's uh just really what we're destined to actually do if if that is the case if we're the only thing here we have to it's it's a it's yeah. just, it's a do mandatory we, that before we, we go, I mean, it should be really, I guess it's really biased of me to tell you that the life should be around up so, until the end. But So what about this? What about, uh, are you thinking about that from a specious point of view? A specious instead of an inanimist. Well, so, so, but think about this. There have been five mass extinctions mm-hmm. on Earth. We've only existed since the last one. 
So there were four other top dogs on this planet. Right? Yeah. And they all died off. And that had to happen for us to exist. Yeah. We could just be another piece of the puzzle. There's one other, like the next phase of life on Earth that needs us to die for them to ex- for them to be the ones to <laughs> to bring to bring life out into the into the rest universe. of the universe. I don't and think. And so the longer we Screw hold those out, guys. we're fucking them over more and more <laughs> because because we know that the the sun, our sun, is going to explode, right? Our sun is going to explode, and so there is a clock running right now on how long life can exist on Earth. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not the phase of life that gets <laughs> to do that, every minute that we exist is potentially holding them back from starting. I guess is that the, is that the Brandon theory? You could play it out, but you, you, you need to publish just, that. You could just as easily say the same thing and throw it back saying, well, if the dinosaurs hadn't fucking sat around the whole fucking time, <laughs> we might be way ahead. We, we might already be the a whole type three civilization time. if the dinosaurs just decided to leave a little earlier. Look at how slow we move, dude. <laughs> Aren't we moving how that slow, we came. We came around, what, six to two million? If we came around two million years ago, mm-hmm. we've only been useful for a couple thousand no not even that but we went literally from horses to spaceships in less than 50 years exactly but I'm, how I'm long did we exist millions of years we but are less slow than 50 fucking years. learners dude after you got to the point well, though, I, yeah, like, yeah. after we got the basics down like walking and stuff but then we skyrocketed off to everything yeah. else think of it like you're just a dude who just needed a warm-up round and all how of a sudden you think you're good the neanderthals th- felt well they assimilated to whatever degree they could they were the top dogs and they, they, they killed they them all <laughs> Not every one of them. They're still in uh, most of the Europeans today. Maybe we, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't be worried about aliens. Maybe we should be worried about here and uh, and either trying to be the ones that evolve to the next level or, or if we're not the ones that get to evolve to the next level, if we want to continue to exist, we, we would have to stop the next level from happening. And you know what you get when you have that possibility? Hmm. X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> that is the entire plot of X-Men. You just got X-Men. Yeah. I mean, if and, you, and if that you is the entire purpose of this episode. That is the only reason what, we was That's why we started this entire podcast was so I could X-Men all of you. Damn it, Brandon. You because got X-Men me. is one of the greatest works of art ever in existence. Okay, so where were we? Anyways, <laughs> paying for porn. <laughs> I, sorry guys we got sidetracked a little bit that was a long tangent Stay tuned. I hope you're going to hang with us we're going to go for another three hours <laughs> this time about pornography <laughs> buckle up get the lotion But I think that's a fun thing to think about that actually our extinction could be a good thing in the in the macro scale and so we have a de- an ethical decision to make this should be a tv show this should we have an ethical decision to make similar to the good place um Jesus. where we can either continue to exist or we have to die imagine it's a time traveler comes back from like three thousand years in the future and they come back and they tell us we have to start a nuclear war 
That's the idea. Terminator? Have, they tell us it's the opposite, though. It's the like opposite you, of the Terminator. It's like you, you need to kill yourselves be, so that we can use the resources that are still left on this planet to get life off of Earth. Because a meteor is coming, or the, the, a solar flare is coming <laughs> in two and a half thousand years. And when, if we're not off of Earth, then, uh, the, in, then all of life will cease to exist in the universe. Okay, before, before this episode goes live, you need to make sure that you like, write that down and, and <laughs> no, make that yours. It's, it's, recorded on a, it's recorded on an episode. I, <laughs> I, uh, I Actually, copyright exists the moment that I say it on here. Oh, thank God. <laughs> that I, Brandon Cantrell, not Blake or Isaac, said yeah. this. <laughs> and then here in a couple of years, it's just me and Blake sitting here because Brandon's rich and famous. <laughs> This, the only reason we're doing this podcast is actually because I'm too lazy to write down my thoughts, so I just want to get them recorded so that I own them and have a record. And you guys are here as witnesses that this happened. You know, this is exactly where I saw this episode going. This is exactly how I saw it ending, was Brandon's just big old long spill to Hollywood. And yeah, that's it. Sign me, Michael Bay. <laughs> Mike, yeah, I you will get, love this shit. There's going to be plenty Bay. of explosions. <laughs> I'm aiming low, all right? <laughs> you got to work your way up. Explosions, <laughs> car chases. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not a plot that's special effects. Eventually, I get me a Spielberg or somebody in that ilk. I don't know if Spielberg will still be around by the time I've worked my way up this chain, but hopefully he is. For the sequel. <laughs> for the sequel Spielberg does this the third iteration of whatever this whatever it's, this it's, fucking it's for movie the remake <laughs> it's for the remake of the original it's for the remake starring Jaden Jaden Smith's kid <laughs> I could see it I'm gonna get famous and I'm gonna if Jaden Smith has kids and let's face it he's gonna have kids <laughs> Jaden, I hope you're listening. Get, I'm, I'm gonna get. I hope you're listening. <laughs> your kid is gonna make my movie, <laughs> and it's gonna be incredible because I love your family. <laughs> so, any uh, any final thoughts on, on, on the aliens, you guys? Blake, aliens, aliens, aliens. <laughs> I I think I, I'm still. Pretty much where I was when I was in the middle of all the research. It's just a <laughs> lot to cover. My my mind, my brain hurts right now from thinking about all of this. There's a lot of math too. I'm not yeah, very I mean, good at math. Try and think about imagining that our universe is really just the inside of a collapsed black hole within a fifth dimensional universe. Oh my god! Yeah. See now Blake's pitching his movie. Yeah, we could be inside <laughs> of a black hole, which is a fifth dimensional black hole. Uh, inside the black hole back to porn jesus <laughs> i mean or maybe we're it. all in the matrix yeah i mean a Ma black hole is really a 2d thing that's that's actually if you it's really what it is it's a it thing that collapses into a 2d yeah. object and anything within it is exists technically in a 2d universe so all right am i real I mean, but in the way that you think you are. Yeah. Are we 2D or 3D if we think there are 4Ds? No, we're 3D. We just, the fourth dimension is time, which is 
So technically, we're always we're forty. Yeah. Technically so if we're we 40. get rid of the third one, what does that do to us? <laughs> we, we, are you trying to get rid of things? What dimension are we in? I mean, it's just as hard to think. <laughs> Who like, am I? What does I mean? You can think what a fifth dimensional cube is. It's a tetrahedron. It's a cube within a cube. But try and imagine what a, a fifth dimensional sphere is. Because that one I can't figure out. Yeah. All right. That hurts. All right. Fifth and dimensional that's, that, We can't do that. All right. It's, that's why we can't think about what a two-dimensional universe is. It's just it, it, our brain doesn't work that way. I, to I, me, the strangest thing to me is that uh, is when I consider the space-time continuum, the idea that, that basically space and time are woven together. Yeah. They're essentially the same thing. And so, and so the, you know, mass bends both of those things. Yes. So mass exists and it pushes this, this blanket of space and time away, right? Mm -hmm. And so, it, you know, it bends and it ref refracts mass. Exactly. Which is why so it's, it it, you it can't even, when you're thinking others, about yeah. how far away another star is, you don't think into, you shouldn't think of of it in terms of a straight line because that's not how space works mm -mm. because mass is always bending it the actual landscape of space and time that you're looking at that other star in is is kind of skewed usually it's yeah. just morphed in a bunch of different ways that you don't realize exist ow yeah it's weird if you think like if you were to watch like a stream of light from a star and track it to its path here to the earth you could probably watch that light make weird the actual the actual location of that star is not where you're looking at it. Yeah. If you shot, like, theoretically, if you shot a, a bullet and the bullet was able to pierce through that fabric of space and time and go in a straight line... To that spot. It would... It, that spot that it hit would be really far off from where the star actually is. Yeah. Because of the way that the universe is shaped around you. Exactly. <laughs> Stop. Ow. Great, isn't it? It's fun. I love doing yeah. this. Yeah, it hurts. And it on that hurts. scale, so on this scale that we exist on with other other people, it's not noticeable. No, you couldn't tell. <laughs> you couldn't tell because it's so small on this scale. But on that scale, on on the scale of you know millions of of light years, it's Even huge. Thousands. Yeah, you can still it, see it. It's yeah. huge. It would be it would become fucking gigantic. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you have the time? Does anybody really? <laughs> but but that's Isn't why I do, I do man. think that we're uh, I do think that there's that there's perhaps a sort of level of understanding that we can gain even beyond quantum mechanics where we have where we're able to fuck with time and space we where we can actually manipulate the space time continuum mm -hmm. I do think that that. I, I think that that exists. Yeah. And so that could totally change the way that we, tr that we're able to travel or at least the way that we're able to, to communicate. Yeah. So even if we can't reach each other, we could potentially send signals to each other, to, to places. So theoretically we could find, find life on another, on another world. And theoretically we could communicate with it, but we wouldn't be able to actually travel there and back in, in in a in a reasonable amount of time enough amount of time that we, we could ensure that they would still exist mm -hmm. you know there's actually a theoretical warp drive called the akubier warp drive which is it's 
actually, based off physics, technically true. Um, if you could make it work, that's the problem. So, there is a law that says you can't travel faster than the speed of light, but there's no law that says you couldn't scrunch up space in front of you and stretch it out behind you faster than the speed of light. Ooh. Yes. Right. So, technically speaking, if you had any means by which to create what's called negative energy, which is something that would condense space in front of you or in a location that you wanted to have be in front of you in theoretically a spaceship, you would condense it in front and then you would expand it behind you, ex essentially existing within this bubble where you never move. Um, and you just move space as you kind of go in the direction that you need to go, or you kind of pull space over you like a blanket, and you oh, kind of okay. go where you're going to. Well, and that's that's what I'm talking about. And and so so when I'm thinking about that, I'm also considering the fact that you're not just because if if time and space are interwoven, you're not just moving space; you're, you're also right. moving time. Yeah. You're jumping through time while you do that. That's the thing that isn't explained because this that's is a why, theoretical drive. So like, that's you that's wouldn't why know what happened to you in that little spot. That's why I'm not cons I'm not concerned necessarily about the idea of like time travel. I don't think time travel could exist in the Back to the Future sort of way. So I don't I I don't think that you could visit yourself at a different point in time. Because of that, because for you to move in time, you were moving space. So I don't think you could land in the same spot with yourself mm -hmm. within within that same space. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I mean, as far as my opinion of uh, anything aliens goes, I I am absolutely certain there's simple organic life out there yeah, right now fair. somewhere. Yeah, uh, that, that's a fair assumption for me, but. I do think that intelligent spacefaring civilizations are such a rare enough thing that they exist within these expanding bubbles, essentially, of where and when we can detect them. And yeah. the thickness of that bubble is dependent on how long they exist for. And I, I think that eventually the idea of, like, you know, a 200 million year plus civilization might be... A little far-fetched it might be because they would have evolved multiple times over into different species every single time because we changed from one species in less than two million years you imagine if you do that 10 times over that's uh, also that's also very dependent on like maybe if it has a really steady climate yeah i mean and, and they and wouldn't they just happen to exist in in a sweet spot in that planet's history where nothing happens yeah we're you know? really like the sun might still be good for another four billion years or so, but the earth itself is going to get too hot in less than a hundred million years from now. And like, if you think about that, it's weird to think that a civilization could exist for so long that it could just be this ever present uh, culture upon a galaxy. And that's yeah. why I think that we probably do, or there have been, or there might even be potentially intelligent civilizations but they're too far away for us to interact with them or if they're within our galaxy we just exist too far apart from one another in time rather than in space i think that we might have had uh oh wasn't there a, what was that movie it was a love story where 
these people are like la- writing letters to each other and leaving it in the mailbox, and they're leaving, they're lake mailing house. each other in different the lake house. time periods. Yeah, it's the lake house. It's yeah, the lake with Keanu it's that. Reeves. Yeah, it's that. I, yeah. That's what we have going on with aliens. That's exactly what we have going on with aliens. But instead of going back and forth, one just lives, dies, and leaves a note for the next one, essentially, and that's what we get to find out. Yeah, we get to find someone. Yeah, because we exist in different times. Yeah, and it's just so far apart in length of time that that's just how it's probably going to be if ever there's going to so, be like a galaxy-wide civilization with multiple alien civilizations that's going to be like a huge moment in life's history overall in the universe i think but through keanu so all things my, are possible my my, my <laughs> pitch was x-men you give us the lake house I, you know what? if you want to put it that way i'm only going to disappoint that was fun guys <laughs> where might you hit on that isaac as far as your opinion I, like i said i've just completely I, I mean i don't have a movie to pitch like you guys but <laughs> it was i that was a fun ride like i said i could easily see us continuing to talk about this for hours and hours and i, I loved every bit of it but at the end of the day i i think there's a lot more research for me in the future <laughs> it was fun though what, what, sure. Well, well, you got to give us you get you have to give us some idea of what you what you think is the most likely possibility for for why we have why have we not contacted other life on like yeah extra I, extraterrestrial I, I would, life. you know I, as much as I'd like my own own opinion on this thing I, I think I'd have to go you know I, I like what both of y'all said with the uh, it's just so big. There's just so much space out there. There's just, I mean, it's it's a lot of room to get through. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's maybe the like you said. There's like Blake said. There's single cell organisms out there that are living and existing, and maybe there's full other, you know, Isaac Brandons and Blakes across the universe, and they just they just can't reach us because it's just not possible for them. I mean, there's just so many different you know options and variations and things to think about that my brain is exploding. But I, I definitely don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility. That it's just so vast, and you know you gotta think limited resources also, and the amount of power and technology it would take to travel for a being to travel these millions and millions of light years to get here to say what's up or to probe us. Um, ho- ho- hopefully, it's just to say hi and not to probe. Um, or to steal our resources, steal our resources and continue their, uh, galactic conquest Thanos. (laughs) 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 And, and also I I like the idea of not making too much noise because there's Thanos is out there and I don't want him to find us. Like, I really like that idea. I I think it's, I think it's very interesting. Well, there so some of the theories do lean lean them towards to the idea that uh, actually that our our form of life actually just uh, we were early that we were early bloomers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've read Basically, that before too. Yeah. Um, because we have we life on Earth has existed for a significant amount of time. You know, considering the conditions that the early that the early universe existed in and uh and how like how we talked about before um everything had to be created mm-hmm. 
you know, so everything, everything, every new element came out of a process. And so if you need all of these elements to exist together to create probabilities for life coming into existence, that sets a, a, a time scale on a, on a gestation period beforehand or whatever. Yeah. I mean, right? at least one full generation and so, of stars. And so if we're like the, the early forms of life that could explain why we haven't, why we haven't seen any other, yeah. any other life. And maybe, maybe it will just pop up later, you know, <laughs> and maybe we could help that process along or whatever. We Who have knows? to die first though, right? We have to die first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Let's just it. drop the bombs guys. <laughs> just let them go. Trump 2020. Fucking Iran. <laughs> we were so close, Brandon. We got him. <laughs> You're all do it, do it, do, oh, do it, damn it, do it. <laughs> CIA is gonna show up at my house. And- <laughs> <laughs> Hello, <laughs> well, that was it's fun, guys. We're, the earth is probably only like part of a fifth or third generation star, which is so like the first generation stars made all of the biggest, heaviest elements yeah. right off the bat, and then it was at least. A few others before we came along with the dust from some supernova before that. And, like, it's weird to think, though, that there are stars right now that were born at the beginning of it all, but they're small enough that they're still around now. Like, there are red giants that will actually live... Or, sorry, red uh, dwarfs. Dwarfs. They're they're all just tiny old people. They're all just (laughs) tiny old people. But the red dwarfs, they can live for literally, like up to 32 trillion years, which is an unbelievable number and, to think about. And with the interesting thing, too, is that with the with the universe expanding, everything is kind of getting farther apart. Mm-hmm. And so, Only especially... the galaxies, though, but, thankfully. Yeah, but the stuff out on the, on the outer edges, that's all the oldest stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's getting farther away from everything else. Mm-hmm. And so the likelihood of it going undisturbed, the longer it exists out there without without changing the longer it's going to exist yeah. without without any 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 other interactions with anything else around it. Mm. There are but stars so, right now they're gonna live to see the heat death of the universe, which right. is such a crazy thing. And so in that way the oldest the oldest things in the universe will literally always exist and always be the oldest and all the stuff that's newer changes more often. Because yeah. it bumps into more shit. Yeah. Yeah, because you're right, because uh, they'll just be further away, the older things, I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's a fun thing to think about. This whole thing was. This was a hoot. I loved this episode. Hi. Thanks, guys. Other than the the migraine I have now. <laughs> <laughs> Fifth dimensional spheres. Stop it! S- so this I was part one it. of five. <laughs> 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 and join us next week. <laughs> now, we're... Uh, I mean, I could pick this topic back up, but I feel like we pretty much... I think we nailed it. We pretty much oh, summed yeah. up the, the Fermi paradox for everyone. I would say so. And uh, maybe next week we'll get back to porn or... <laughs> we'll have <laughs> a nice knows. surprise for you Where, guys. Wherever we end up. Wherever the wind blows. Uh, thanks for joining us. <laughs> You've been listening to the... <laughs> thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Thumping Philosophers podcast. Please donate to our... Are we going to get a paycheck? Chatterbait. <laughs> Chatter- Please donate to our Chatterbait. Chatterbait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough. <laughs>